0: Morning. morning glad we had a children's message because i got a tickle in my throat and I was out there i was like god that didn't happen up here so got that out the way good to see you all happy new year if i haven't seen you for a couple weeks merry christmas if i haven't seen you in three weeks happy orthodox christmas if you celebrate that all those different things that we do Feliz navidad and all that too um good to see you all and it's 2023 we have a new year which is exciting i like new years i like new starts i like new things um, anyone uh, go out and buy something new for the new year, like a notebook or a new pen to start journaling in the new year? Yes, all right, Lauren. Yeah, excellent, good. All right, just just Lauren, no one? Okay, well, that's okay. Maybe this is your sign. Go buy a new notebook and a pen. Go to Barnes & Nobles, go somewhere. Go to Vons, get something new. It's good to start with something new and fresh as we begin off uh, another season together uh, at church at Riverside. And last year, just to put a final pin on last year, our theme for last year was Psalm 34:8, to taste and see that the Lord is good. And we look for opportunities to taste and see God in all that we do. Well, this year we can keep doing that, but we're going to focus on a new theme to give us vision and energy and excitement for 2023. Um, and like a good narrative to a movie, like a good story, I like themes to lead us through. Maybe you have a word for yourself for the year or an image or an idea that helps you get through the year, Well, we can do that as a church as well. And maybe you saw it when you came in this morning, uh, that beautiful mural that's outside. Shout out to Becky for making that. Woohoo, looks awesome. Yeah. I don't know what to call it. I'm going to call it a mural. Is that fine? Okay, we're going to do that. All right. Um, uh, You'll see that our theme for this year is life together. Life together. And it comes from our mission statement here at Riverside, which is this. Riverside wants to pursue life together with Jesus, with each other, and with our neighbors. That's what we want to do, life together with Jesus, life together with each other, and life together with our neighbors. And that's our mission statement, and if we want to live into that mission statement, we should explore what that mission statement means. And we're going to do that weekly, monthly, daily this year as we navigate what it means to do life together in this crazy world that we live in. How do we do life together with Jesus the one who died for our sins so we can be forgiven and be reconciled back to God. What does life together with the risen Lord Jesus look like? How do we life, life together with each other? Right? Life together with each other in this room, in this space, young and old, tall and short, different backgrounds, different cultures, different histories, different stories. How do we share life together in a meaningful way? And how do we do life together with our neighbor? We all live in neighborhoods, I would assume. We have neighbors, maybe they're closer than others in other neighborhoods. But we have neighbors, how do we do life together with them? And even in our church here at Riverside, we are right in the middle of a neighborhood, as you might notice when you pull up. we got a school across the street, we got neighbors over here. How do we be good neighbors to our community here at this corner? So we're going to dive deep and explore some of that this year and all its facets, and I'm excited to walk with you through this life together in 2023. And that mural in the fellowship hall is gonna lead us and guide us each month throughout this year as we talk about that together. Each month, we'll have a new word that we're gonna focus on about life together that will explore what it means and what it looks like to do life together in that way. And so by the end of the year, we'll have 12 words, 12 ideas, 12 images to latch onto to paint a picture for us of what it looks like to be together in community. So, um, a quick question before we do that. Anyone used to do one of those CD of the month clubs? Anyone do those? Way back when, a few people laughing. Remember CDs, right? Those are nice. Um, I was talking to my son the other day. Uh, I don't know how we got on the topic, but I remember the first time I got to burn a CD. Remember that? That was so cool. And he looked at me, he goes, burn a CD, Like, did you take a match to it and like light it? Like, what does that mean? I said, no, 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 it's like recording, but we called it burning and I don't know why it was so cool, but it felt so cool at the time, didn't it? It was like, this is radical, I can burn a CD. Anyway, CD of the month club, you get a free CD, right? Or you get your one cent CD that, uh, what was that called? That company that did that, it was like 12 CDs for a penny. That was fantastic. And then you forget about it and it was like 29.99 after that. So we're going to give you a Word of the Month Club here to focus on, but it's even better because it's free and you've already subscribed by attending today. So you're part of the Word of the Month Club here at, at Riverside, a word for life together. And this month's word is investment. This month's word is investment. This is going to get hung up after today and will be out there throughout the rest of the year. But our word for January that we're going to focus on, that we're going to consider as we pursue life together is the word Investment. What does it mean to make investments in each other, in Jesus, in our relationship with Jesus, in our relationship with our neighbors as we live out this life? I'm assuming all of us have different things we invest in, Uh, hopefully not FTX or other crypto, but maybe better things like stocks or homes or retirement, things that we've invested in. Maybe you have an investment manager as well that helps you, or at least a website that you handle investments in. Well, what if one day your investment person came to you and said, Hey, you're missing out on a great investment. It returns 10,000 times what you put in. Would your ears perk up? Yeah, mine would. It'd be like, Yeah, okay, tell me more. Tell me more about this. Well, the investment we're going to talk about this month is sitting really close to you, <laughs> investing in people, investing in our relationship with each other, with our neighbor, and with Jesus. To do life together means investing. Our time with Jesus, investing our time with each other, investing our time with our neighbor. When you invest in these three things, you receive a return that does not come back void, but multiplies over and over and over again. When you invest in the prayer and study of Scripture, it returns to you as a deeper love of Jesus and an understanding of God's tremendous love for you. And in fact, we can't even talk about life together with each other or life together with our neighbor without starting at the basis of life together with Jesus, a rich, deep investment in that relationship with him, to know that how how much we are deeply loved by the creator of all things. When you invest and pray with each other, you find a brother or sister who knows you and can be known by you, a lifelong relationship. When you invest with your neighbor, hey, it returns as a developed relationship where you can compassionately show God's love and receive it as well. When we invest in these three things, it's an investment that never fails. It outlives you. It develops relationships for this life and for all eternity in glory. Church, that's what I want us to invest in this year. with Relationships with Jesus, with each other, and with our neighbor. And as we do that, I want you to dwell on those things this month with a couple questions, a few questions to help lead us. First, who has invested in you? Think about your own life, your own walk. If you know Jesus, or if you're coming here, kind of still working out this whole Jesus thing, trying to figure that out. Who is someone who's invested in your life? Took time with you, shared with you. Maybe they prayed with you, they walked with you, they invested resources in you. They supported you and encouraged you. For me, it was my youth pastor. Maybe for you, it's someone similar, or a parent or a grandparent, aunt or uncle, brother or sister. Who invested in you in this journey? And who is God calling you to invest in? Think about the relationships in your own life. Maybe it's your own children, grandchildren, someone at work, a co-worker, a neighbor, someone that you have a built-in relationship with already. That God's saying, I want you to invest in this person. It's going to return an incredible investment as you pour into them and show God's love to them. And lastly, how do you want to spend this month investing in Jesus in each other and your neighbors? That's kind of the big overarching question. Think about that. How do you want to take your time, your energy, your money, and invest in others this month as we consider life together? With Jesus, it could be around Scripture and prayer and Sabbath. With each other, it could be joining a small group, which we'll talk about in the weeks ahead. It could be with your neighbor, inviting them to church, or for a meal at your house, or for a little campfire in your backyard, doing some s'mores, whatever you like to do. So think about those things as we invest in one another this month. Also, you'll notice as you go out there on either side of the mural, there's this twine with little clips on it. So I encourage you every month to bring in a picture that you find uh, important about each of these words. So for this month, if you have a picture of you doing life together and it reminds you of investing in somebody, bring it in, clip it to the twine out there. We want to see it. We want to see pictures of each other in community. And so we can look at that and see, hey, and be encouraged of how we're doing this life together in that way. At the end of the month, we'll take them down, and you can put a new one up for the next word of the next month. Make sense? All right, so go look online. you got to print a physical picture. Remember that? You can send it to CVS and bring it in. They'll put it up there for you. Well, they won't. You will, right? Um, That'd be fun, though, if they came in. Anyway, um, so we can do that each month and see pictures of our community, of how we're doing life together at Riverside be a wonderful thing. So our theme is life together. We're going to talk about life together. So let's look at a passage today that talks about how the early church invested in life together with Jesus, with each other, and with their neighbor. So I'm going to warn you this morning. I'm going to start with a warning. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. We're going to read a lot of scripture. So I encourage you to get your phone out, get a physical Bible, get your iPad, whatever you got. We're going to look at 40 verses today um, to talk about life together. And as they say, I promise I won't be long. I'll be finished when I get done. So there you go. (laughs) Don't worry. But we need to hear this, I think, to understand how this early church saw life together, how they saw community. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to look. I'm going to be reading from the NIV this morning, but you can follow along wherever you want, or if you're an auditory learner, you can listen along. I want to start at verse 42. Acts: 242 through 47. Famous verse. You'll probably recognize it when I read it. It's about this believing community that is gathered together and fellowshipping and sharing their possessions and being with each other. Let me read it. Acts: 242 through 47. They, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord adds their number daily, those who are being saved. Great passage. Wonderful thing that happens. They share in this life together community, which is what we want to do. But it begs the question, how did they get there? How did they get to that point where they considered each other's needs important and shared life together and walked with each other? What happened in them that they said, we're going to shun any other way of living and choose this way of living? We want to be like this in community. Because it doesn't just happen of our own nature, I don't think. Of our own nature, we kind of consider our own needs before others and want to make sure my needs are met and my bases are covered before anything else. So what happened? Well, let's start in verse 1, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. Suddenly the sound of a blowing, uh, sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Famous passage. Right? We usually look at this right before summer, 50 days after Easter, a reminder of the Holy Spirit fell on the believers at Pentecost. Last year, if you remember, we read this passage in a bunch of different languages. The believers are gathered in one place. Jesus has risen. He spoke to them. He ascends up on His way and now they are to wait for the Holy Spirit. They're to wait for the Holy Spirit. They're waiting because Jesus told them to wait, but also they're waiting because they've read their Old Testament. And they know something important, that when the Holy Spirit shows up, something interesting happens. When the Holy Spirit shows up, something new is born. The Holy Spirit is in the business of conceiving new life when there was no new life before. The Holy Spirit conceives new life. That is what he does. He shows up and makes something new where there was something old. He creates something beautiful where there was something hurting. Genesis 1 tells us the Spirit of God hovered over the water before God spoke and created something new. Exodus 35, the Spirit of God fills handymen and craftsmen to build a beautiful tabernacle for them to worship in. The Holy Spirit falls on Mary and she conceives and gives birth to Jesus. Jesus' ministry is conceived at baptism when the Spirit descends upon him as a dove. The Holy Spirit is in the business of conceiving new life, and so this new community begins as they're waiting and praying and wondering what's next? What's the Holy Spirit going to do next? So let's go on. Verse 14. It says this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Those who were wondering, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. He's never been to Purdue on game day, apparently, right? Um, Anyway, they're not drunk, as you suppose. No, this is what's spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days, and they will prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me take a brief time out right there. Remember, uh, maybe eight weeks ago now, it's been a while, talked about Revelation, and I said, hey, we're certainly in the last days. I'm, I'm positive. In fact, we've been in the last days for a long time. Because the last days only means that there's no one else that's going to come. It's just Jesus. And here's Peter. Here's Peter preaching. He says, hey, we're in the last days. He was pretty confident 2,000 years ago. We can be pretty confident today. Because the signs of the last days is that God's Holy Spirit is poured out on people. Poured out on young and old men and women preaching, teaching, prophesying, transforming the world through the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So we can be confident that, hey, this is the last days, because God's Spirit is here among us. So don't buy one more bad Revelation commentary. Save your money. Don't spend it on that. He goes on, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, Wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate, plain, and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life and you fill me with joy in your presence. Here, here Peter's laying out this groundwork of the gospel, right? Jesus died but rose again. He died but rose again, like it was commanded and, and called for in the scriptures, like it was prophesied. And now he pays off the message. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here. You can go see it. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus back to life. And we're all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven. And yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Okay, nice, good, long sermon by Peter. And what does he say is this? David, you can go check out his tomb. He's there. Abraham, you can go look at his tomb. You can go look at this person's tomb. You can go look at all these people's tomb. There's one tomb you can go to. There's nobody there. One tomb you can go to. He's busy. He's, he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. And that's Jesus because he's no longer dead. He was raised from death into life. And Peter's point here is really powerful. He says, hey, Jesus is risen and you missed him. But because this Holy Spirit has fallen, the good news is that God has come back for you. God has come back for you. He's made a way for you to come to him again. If you've ever lived in a big city or visited a big city with a subway, anyone done that? New York, Boston, some of those areas. Yeah, a few people, right? Um, it's fun, or I enjoy riding the subway. I don't know, maybe some people don't like riding the subway. But if you like riding the subway, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, it's not so bad. If you've ever tried to ride the subway on a Sunday night, you know the service is absolutely terrible. On Sunday night, basically everybody's home, and uh, we used to live in Boston for three years, and uh, we tried to ride the subway on a Sunday night once, I remember, and I came down there, I was running down the steps, I got to see the subway train, and I saw the back end of the last car go, and I was like, "Oh, okay. So they got one of those monitors up, it's like, how long is it going to be? Probably, you know, five, ten minutes, and you look up there, next train, 60 minutes away. It's like, oh, okay, well, well, do I walk three miles or do I sit for 60 minutes, right, you know? Uh, you, sometimes you miss it, it comes and you goes and you miss it and you got to wait for it to come back around. Peter has a message for them, "Hey, this, this Jesus Emmanuel, He was with us and you missed him. But the good news is this Holy Spirit that you have seen fallen, it's God coming back to you. He's come back around. He's pulling you in to his kingdom. He's making something new. This Holy Spirit is conceiving and making a new community. That wasn't there before. And he's welcoming you into it. And when the people hear this, it says, the next verse, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and others, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Cut to the heart. Great phrase there. It's in, the, in the Greek, it's hocardia. So you may recognize the word cardia from the word cardiac. That's heart me, I think it only appears here in the Bible, but it's used a lot by Greek poets, which is interesting. And the word translates to roughly the feeling and the sensation that one gets when you're standing too close to a herd of stampeding horses. Like, I know that's a long translation, but that's the, if you read it in poetry, that's the sensation. Anyone stood by stampeding horses before? I had not, so uh, Tom has. Okay, what's it like? Tell us. Scary, right? It's powerful. Yeah, I had not. So I called Wendy because I knew Wendy Parsec. At, at, I don't think she's here today, but I called her. I said, I know you've done stuff with horses. I know some of you other ones have, well, have as well. And I'm like, what's it like to be near stampeding horses? And she said, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's powerful. You can feel it in the ground. Your legs start to shake and, and your body starts to quiver and you're not really sure what to do. But you know, something is about to happen. Something unbelievable is happening. And you can see them coming through and stampeding through. And she said she'd never been caught in the middle of that, but she's heard if you want to survive when being caught in the middle of that, you stand up in the middle of it, you make yourself big, and you let the horses pass over you. Now, I don't want to make too much of a word, but there's a lot of different words that the author of Acts could have used, and he chose this one to give this idea here of This feeling of the stampeding of horses that come through. This feeling of shakiness, of power. And that's what they felt when they realized the Holy Spirit was present in their midst. This feeling of, oh my goodness, what's happening among us? What do I do now that I've experienced the living God? The Holy Spirit conceives. And what do we do? We stand there, we hold our arms out, and we say, come Holy Spirit, come. Help us. Lead us, wash over us, run through us, use us. And then, now, we can return to Acts chapter two verse 42. This beautiful fellowship community had the Holy Spirit fall on them, and, it con- and he conceived this beautiful community that overwhelmed them and brought them together. This community in Acts, they did life together with Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, scriptures, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, communion, and to prayer. And everyone was filled in awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Man, a community filled with the Holy Spirit that performs wonders and signs. What a beautiful picture. They did life together with each other. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. They said, hey, uh, I got two coats. You don't have a coat. Let me give you a coat. Or better, let, let, me, let me sell my coat. I can get three coats worth of value out of my coat. And three of you can have coats. They shared with each other. They didn't consider each other above others. They, they shared in community with one another. That's how the Holy Spirit convicted them. They did life together with their neighbor. Each day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They didn't have like an elaborate evangelism structure. They didn't go out in the street. I mean, they shared life together. And the way that they shared life together, people saw that and they said, holy cow, what is this? This is different. This is new. This is unusual. We want this. We want this. We're going to come back to Acts 2 and life together many, many times over the next year, 12 months. But I want to do some pre-work today about doing life together. The two things that happened before Acts 2.42 is the Holy Spirit falls on this community in an unexpected way and conceives something new. Are we ready for the Holy Spirit to fall on us and conceive something new among us? Something we've never done before. Something that might push us. Something that might challenge us something that might make us a little uncomfortable at times don't answer that because maybe your answer is ah no (laughs) not yet and that's okay that's okay maybe not yet and are we ready to stand in the midst of that with our arms open and say holy spirit come holy spirit come lead us where you want us to go overwhelm us make our legs quake at your power and what you're doing among us See, the believers, they gathered in an upper room, and we're kind of in an upper room. We walked up some steps to get in here. We're basically in the upper room, right? And we've gathered together, and we're ready, and it's a new year with new opportunity and new things, and I'm excited. I'm excited. I want to see what God will do among us this year. I want to see how God will lead us and guide us. I want to see the Holy Spirit fall on us and lead us in new paths and conceive something new among us. And as we do that, let's begin This year, 2023, not with our own effort, but let's begin in prayer. Let's begin with a few moments of prayer this year, this morning, as we close the message. With our eyes fixed on the Holy Spirit, with our eyes fixed on God, in in our hearts in preparation for what he might do among us. Let's pray this morning. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your word from the book of Acts. And as we've seen, your spirit falls and does new and wonderful things. So Lord, we come before you. Holy Spirit, we come before you in hopeful anticipation of what you will do among us. Lord, we begin with our own hearts. If we hold bitterness or anger or frustration or troubles with our brother or sister or our neighbor, shine your light on that darkness. Reveal it to us now that we might seek another out and be reconciled. Holy Spirit, shine in us. We pray for our own attitudes and our own hearts this morning. If we come with closed hands to change or new direction or new ideas, may you open our hands now to receive from you, Holy Spirit, what you would have to give to us. We pray for our church. Lord, you have faithfully walked with us at this corner for many years. And Lord, we we look to you, Holy Spirit. We ask you to conceive something new in us this year. Fall on our hearts that are soft and ready to receive from you a new and glorious thing. May we be sensitive to see you, to see what you're doing in the faces of others in our community in our neighbors at this corner, and in our church. And in all these things, we keep our eyes on you, good and gracious and loving God. Though we don't know what tomorrow brings, we keep our eyes on you. O life-giving Holy Spirit, fall on us afresh, in 2023. May we be a community that pursues you, pursues life together with you, with each other, and with our neighbor this year. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.